Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm Cassidy and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Gis. Hello! And we're very excited for this week's topic because today we are talking about the latest Marvel movie to hit streaming, uh, The Eternals. So I think this movie came out early November 2021 um, and it had its really short theatrical run, short in the sense, you know, pandemic style theatrical run Uh, where it was like in theaters for like what, a month maybe? A month, approximately, um, you're right. Yes. And I think as of January what 12th, 2022, it has been added to Disney Plus for streaming. And um, I'm sure it's available on multiple platforms for purchase if you would like to watch the movie, but don't necessarily have Disney Plus. So um, if you haven't had a chance to see this movie, and if you're interested in checking it out, um, it is available on Disney Plus, probably Prime uh, Video and other streaming services. So um it's, it's an interesting movie, so definitely go check it out. I think it raises a lot of interesting questions and makes us kind yeah. of reconsider some of the things we know about the MCU. Um, oh, yeah, So it definitely, sure. I think it definitely gives us a lot to think about at the very minimum. So um, I feel like even if you're not maybe a fan of the Eternals, like as characters or whatever, I feel like this movie at least is interesting enough that it asks um, some questions that I don't think we as viewers really thought to ask or think about before that so, is true um, yeah I think yeah I mean we we both I think enjoyed it it was a good watch and it um, is. <laughs> I mean I think we have our our complaints about it too but I think that's standard and <laughs> yeah I mean, we true. Have complaints about everything I think so ah. well um, except for a few things uh but yeah, I mean there's some yeah. things that we just like love to pieces that even yeah. though there's probably faults we just can't fault it but unfortunately this is not one of those things it's not a bad movie but it's not something not... that we can like overlook all the faults well, here's the thing this is not no way home level great because no way home like punched us in the field oh, yeah I this, mean... this was fine it's an interesting take uh, and i think it, yeah without getting too much into spoilery territory which we will do very shortly but without mm-hmm being or giving away too much I think the biggest thing is that this movie I I read somewhere it was like written or somebody had commented on how this movie does a better job of like setting things up for the future than really making us super interested in like the current characters and events that are going on within the movie which is kind of I think accurate I think Um, I agree with them yeah yeah it's not a bad cast and the characters aren't like bad characters by any means but um, I think the, the movie has quite a lot to juggle and because of that you know I think the the story and like everything that they were trying to accomplish kind of at times bogged it down um, mm. so it made it I think a little bit difficult to really really enjoy the movie for the story that we got which again it's not a bad story but it's it's juggling so much and it's setting up so much that it makes us I think more excited for what's to come than what we're currently seeing because there's a lot yeah. in this movie I think that kind of turns things on its head so um, we're gonna get into all of that but before we do as usual our standard spoiler warning slash disclaimer um, as always we get into spoilers and this is semi-recent so if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it but you would like to keep listening just keep in mind that we are probably going to spoil everything and I think this is also a little bit of a 
odd episode and the the source material like the movie itself is a little bit kind of convoluted there's a lot of time it is. a lot of back and forth Absolutely. so um especially if you haven't seen the movie anything we talk about might be very confusing because the movie yeah. itself is a little confusing <laughs> Yes, so, and I um, think that is definitely uh, that. That's something that we can definitely attribute to the fact that this is the first MCU movie that has to introduce this list of characters that we don't know the backstory of at all. Like right. the only time we've seen these many characters in the same movie are crossover events in the MCU, like the Avengers movies. But then in those movies, we have the backstory for each of these characters. So we know what these characters are like and what they would do in certain situations. But this movie introduces us to like nine or ten characters. Ten, I think. Yeah, it's like ten characters right off the bat. Exactly. I think like you said, there's no... The the Avengers films kind of benefited in that like a lot of the core members kind of had their own... Um, solo you know movies. trilogy or, or like yeah exactly. like their own solo movies and even if they didn't they had already been featured in other movies and they were established enough that when the first Avengers movie rolled around it wasn't weird to see characters like Clint Barton or yeah. um, Black Widow just kind of you know interact with other characters like exactly. Iron Man or Captain America or whoever because they had already yeah. been featured in other movies yes. whereas for this particular set of characters this is the first time we're meeting any of them and there's not one not two there's ten of them <laughs> So yeah exactly lot, and they've all got abilities and skills and they're all different so mm-hmm. you know within the runtime which is like I think for this particular movie it's a little bit on the longer side it's like two and a half, two and a half hours, hours I think yeah, yeah yeah um within all that time they have to introduce these 10 characters like you know like introduce us to the conflict ultimately attempt to resolve the conflict and you know there's all these mm. different things going on and like we mentioned yeah. earlier there's a lot of time skips and back and um, forth there's, going yeah on. there's like a big yeah. plot twist a couple of big plot twists actually so um the, the movie I think definitely had a lot to juggle it unfortunately yes. didn't have the liberty uh, or it doesn't just yet anyway of like having the um number of movies that other characters had uh, yeah. so this is like the first movie with the Eternals so if maybe they had done like Eternals 1, 2 and then had the third movie feature all time Eternals maybe that would have been different but um, in this movie we did get introduced to all yeah 10. but I don't but here's the thing though you couldn't have 1, 2 uh, you, you couldn't have had a trilogy with some characters coming in in the first movie and some in the others they play off of each other in a very real yeah. way so that's the no, thing I think you're right for this particular group yeah they do and it would have been difficult but I think just if you ignore the plot and just focus on what might be the best way to introduce characters no, I, agree. I feel like that doing what the previous Avengers movies did where it's like each character yeah. has their own solo film or films and then they all come together in like this big epic conclusion like that yeah. worked really well and um, I think we talked about this off recording but mm-hmm. you know movies like No Way Home, Endgame, Infinity War they balanced huge casts they and did. they did it in a way that didn't feel like it was just like you know inundated with characters yeah yeah exactly and I wouldn't say that in this particular movie, at least to me, it didn't feel overwhelming. Not but, really. I mean, to you know, but you did different. feel it like it be. was juggling a lot. It did feel it like was, they were juggling yeah. a lot. And yeah. again, but uh, what I will give this movie credit for is a very diverse cast uh, of characters, which oh, is absolutely. amazing. Um, so let's talk about the Eternals themselves because 
We have Ajak, who's their leader, and she can heal. We have um, we have the uh, people who rely on their strengths, like Thina, who's a warrior. We have Gilgamesh, who's super strong. We have Icarus, who's like um, who flies can around fly and he's like a super. <laughs> basically, MCU Superman. But let's not make that comparison. Uh, but yeah, basically that. And then we have um, Sprite, who can create illusions. Cersei, who is basically, who can change matter into anything. Um, we have Festos, who basically, um, I think, makes machine. He has the ability to build anything that he wants to, which is really cool. And, um, he, and then there's Druig who has mind control powers, Makari, the speedster. And then there's Kingo, who's basically, again, shoots lasers out of his fingertips. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, yeah, but, they mean, all have specific power sets, basically. Yeah, they so, do. But I think, like you said, it is a very diverse cast. And yeah. um, I think it's also the first time, at least as far as I'm aware, that the MCU has included... Um, at least in a movie, an ASL character. Uh, so we True. did get um, Maya Lopez and Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, Disney Plus series. This is a movie for the big screen. So that was really interesting that we finally got a character that actually, I don't know if it's um, ASL that she uses, but, but sign language. It's, it's some, yeah, yeah, it's some form of sign language. I don't know enough about ASL to know if that, it's yeah. that specific. Um, version of sign language or not but um, it was really cool that like we got to see that and not yes. only did, is like is, is uh, Makari signing but like the other characters are able to sign back to which I thought was really cool which is pretty cool absolutely <laughs> you mentioned something the last time we were talking about this movie um, which was really interesting because I think this is the first MCU movie that has a wall of text come up right and right before the movie starts and you made a very interesting point it was saying that people some people were put off by it uh let's talk about that because i think like i think this goes back to the fact that this this movie is juggling a lot um of events basically um and i think in light of that i feel like the wall of text was kind of necessary um what did you think of that tell me about it yeah I mean I think we we discussed this and I think yeah. as far as at least in my opinion I think as far as everything that this movie set out to accomplish goes I feel mm. like like you said that wall of text was necessary because this movie doesn't have the liberty of running for you know six hours eight hours like a tv series might and um it's already a little bit on the longer side a little bit, um, it's, yeah, it's, for sure. You know, it's not quite as long as a movie like Endgame, for example, but it's for, you know, an introduction movie, it's already kind of long. And so yeah. within the amount of time that they were allotted or the, the t amount of time they had, I think that wall of text was kind of necessary. Mm -hmm. um, I do see, though, where a lot of people kind of were put off by it because at, at points I feel like there was a lot of, like, exposition and like mm. a lot of like it was more explanation than like really you know anything else but again this movie just has a really big um you know story to tell and there's a lot to accomplish I think thousands a lot of to years like, too it's right. like 
there's a lot but yeah yeah there, there's a lot going on so I feel like maybe as um annoying maybe as it is to read a wall of text before a movie I feel like in this case it was necessary but also it was a fairly lengthy wall of text I think I mean I don't really bit. remember a not as long as Star Wars too much. though oh like, well see no. I haven't seen Star Wars that, so no no uh, let's not get into that I because no, I don't no want to get into really, Star but... Wars territory because those guys have their own uh, opinions on that I'm not getting into that but <laughs> all Star Wars movies begin with that scrolling text it actually scrolls and you're like you have to okay. read through before it scrolls and you're like what the hell uh, Kind of oh, like, that was my concern like I mean what like everybody reads at different speeds right so like for me when yeah. I saw that wall of text I was like oh, okay this is different like this hasn't been done yeah. but I thought like I read along fairly you know well and I was able to catch everything but what if you're like a slower reader and you don't catch everything then how yeah. does that impact your understanding of the story uh, so, I don't yeah know, that's that can- a problem because the, that wall of text basically gives you an explanation as to why the Eternals are here. And let's talk about that because the Celestials are mentioned here. Um, and we know a Celestial from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Ego. Ego was a Celestial. And Peter Quill is part Celestial. But now this guy, Arishem, is the prime Celestial or whatever. And he's sent the Eternals to Earth to fight some creatures called the Deviants, basically. That's all we know about the Eternals' purpose so far, right? Now, as far as, I mean, that's an, I mean, again, wall of text, you basically get to them uh, fighting off the Deviants in Mesopotamia very early on. And how the first weapon was given to humankind and uh, how, how... Festus basically helped them discover fire or stuff like that, basically. Um, so let's talk about that because I think this movie does an interesting job of showing how the Eternals basically helped shape humanity's evolution and progress at different points in time, which is pretty cool, but also kind of like con- in a very convoluted way. So let's talk about that too. Yeah, so I think we see like fairly early on, um, like you said, I think the the opening scene uh, take place, I think like 5000 BC or something. And it, you know, it's a very primitive civilization. But over time, the Eternals um, help kind of, like you said, shape uh, human history and culture to a certain extent and we also yeah. like there's a I think the the story does a really cool thing of explaining how certain Eternals have influenced um like humanity so yeah. Dina is a really good example um yes realize we know most likely that the character's name came from the Greek goddess Athena but in the movie yeah. they kind of flipped that and so they Athena did. is derived from Athena <laughs> Um, yeah. which I thought was really cool. And I think uh, that's Fastos an interesting too, turn. I don't um, know what the Greeks assuming... would think of that, but okay. Yeah, I don't either, but <laughs> I, know. I did like that. I'm not it was, Greek, I thought it was kind of but I'm just uh, cool. Like yeah. it was an interesting thing, I think, that yes. like, because I think the, the common thing would have been to think that like, oh, Athena is named after Athena because realistically, that's probably what it is. But within the context of the movie, mm-hmm. they kind of turn that around and they're like, no, her name is actually Athena, but humanity or humans just somehow either couldn't pronounce it, misheard it, whatever, and it became Athena. But she essentially becomes the same 
warrior goddess in that Patron specific god culture. Of Athens, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, cool. that was cool. And then um I think uh Festus too, I think, especially because mm-hmm. he's, you know, like an inventor and he's able to make all these cool things. Um he I'm assuming yeah. that yeah, there's that sort of um derivation from from him. Um but yep. I think one of the really interesting things is that even though they're kind of you know in the early parts of the movie shaping human history there's kind of like an appropriate speed which would um that like they need to like they consider to when doing because they, yeah, can't they can't give just... human beings these <laughs> things too soon because then things could go downhill you're absolutely right i think they talk about this too at certain points mm-hmm. i i yeah yeah which is an interesting thing and also they're supposed to not interfere with human conflict unless it has something to do with the deviants mm-hmm. um this is the directive they have from rhm which is like a strange directive but yeah okay. especially because the like so the way the problem is presented is like these deviants have been hunting essentially humans and they've kind yeah. of just gone haywire so the eternals are sent to earth to kill all of them and they yeah. kill them all kind of early on in history like i think by the, the 1500s essentially yeah. i think 1521 yeah. is like the exact year we yeah. get technical but yeah. um you know it, after that they don't really have a purpose um yeah so exactly it, it's um i mean not interfering like what what do they do like just exist for thousands and thousands of years and wait to be recalled um which essentially is what a lot of them did do but it, i would imagine it gets very boring so um i just found it very strange that they were okay with chilling around for like thousands of years just like doing nothing but um maybe they weren't too bothered by it i don't know but yeah they they were um told not to interfere and I, very early on we get one of i think the most valid questions in the mm-hmm. movie um because we get introduced to uh in in modern times uh cersei and yeah. sprite live in london and london. cersei's boyfriend yeah. dane whitman is mm-hmm. you know asking like a, when he finds out a little bit more about who she really is and that she's not you know an average human and she's lived for thousands of years um, he asks, like, why weren't the Eternals around to help when Thanos was a problem? Exactly. And the response is basically that the Eternals were ordered not to interfere in human events, unless, like you said, it directly, I think, affected them or had anything to do with them. And... Which, given their real purpose, and we'll talk about this, is a weird take, but we'll talk about it that is, later. Yeah. This will come up later, for sure. But yeah, it's interesting because... Yeah, this movie does a lot of, you know, back and forth between what happened before and present times, which is fine, because I think we need that context at different points in the story to understand where these characters are right now. So, yeah, Sprite and Cersei are living in uh, London in present times. uh, Cersei is dating this, uh, this guy called Dane. Dane Whitman, uh, played by Kit Harrington, by the way. Any Game of Thrones fans, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Good for you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so basically, yes, um, he's there. It's his birthday. They're celebrating. But then there's a deviant attack out of nowhere. And this is this comes as a surprise for about two reasons. One, they thought all the deviants were gone. Two, this deviant can actually heal itself which is like even more strange. So let's talk about that. 
Yeah, I think the ability to heal is not something deviants had ever really possessed before. Like, I think they had, you know, certain skills and stuff that definitely made them a challenge for the Eternals, but not to this level. And it's also, I think, more concerning because healing is, um, or specifically, like, what that deviant is able to do is exactly Mm -hmm. what Ajax is able to do. And it's a leader of, of this, like, particular band of Eternals. It's concerning that if her power has been absorbed by this deviant or if something's happened that you know yeah. now it's it's like she's just one of them and they were kind of looking to her I think for some degree of guidance and um maybe even like advice yeah. and um she was like their main link between you know them and 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 Arisham uh, like this, exactly yeah you know, um, who sent them on this mission right basically. exactly yeah. so for them to not really know what happened to her and for them to see this deviant with her powers all of a sudden is very concerning to say it the is. least and um i think it gets a little bit more confusing because after the events of you know the the 1521 incident um the eternals we'll essentially split about. up yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah they split um, up mm-hmm. Yeah, so they kind of at that point they thought they had killed all the Eternals and they don't really have a purpose anymore. Oh, the deviants. Were, sorry, yeah. but yeah, sorry, the deviants, not the Eternals. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, they killed um, other deviants, and yeah, basically they and... thought their mission on Earth was done, and they were just so waiting think... for something to something to happen so they could go back home. Basically, right? And Ajax just literally tells them like, "We don't have to stay together anymore. Like, there's no reason you're yeah. required to stay with me. So just." go out experience things and then when we meet again you can uh tell me what you learned type thing and so that was the last time I think a lot of them were together and um in in present day after this deviant kind of makes its presence known uh we get like a mini reunion of sorts because Sprite and Cersei have already been together like they live together they're roommates Mm -hmm. essentially and Mm -hmm. um Cersei and Icarus had a thing for several centuries I guess I don't know um they had like they they participated in like a marriage ceremony like an Indian marriage ceremony and then for some reason Icarus just like disappeared I I don't really know but yeah for some reason let's say let's call it for some reason right now yeah but okay I know what you I mean. mean I think you get more information as the movie progresses but yeah true. I mean but he's Cersei gone basically in a long time yeah they haven't seen each other in a very long time mm-hmm. uh, but then Icarus comes here to help these guys out and this is when they basically decide to actually go see Ajax again because mm-hmm. like this is concerning like you said this is absolutely concerning that a deviant has her powers this is not something they'd seen before so they need to consult their leader to find out what's going on but <clears throat> unfortunately and and, and and basically i think they go to south dakota where ajak was uh, on her farm basically she's she has her own farm she's living her life kind of thing unfortunately they're in for a shock because ajak is gone something's happened to her they don't know what but something's happened to her from what they see it looks like a deviant attack so let's talk about that yeah, so when they get to this farm, unfortunately, despite their name, uh, Ajak is dead. And mm. she, the way she is, it, it seems most likely that a deviant did something. And so basically stripped her of her essence or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, their conclusion is that a deviant 
was either hunting her or whatever and killed her and then absorbed her power. And so that in itself is like a huge deal because that's never happened before. But mm-hmm. one of the really interesting things is even though the scene is kind of sad because Ajag is dead and yeah. they are kind of leaderless for a little bit, um, we are introduced to like the new leader of the Eternals because Ajak then chooses Cersei to follow in her footsteps and become the new leader. And so Cersei now has the link or like this bond or whatever you want to call it. Um, And she's able to talk to Arishem and see him for the first time and learn what Ajak learned. um, Probably not as quickly, but to a certain extent, she's able to learn a lot of what Ajak... In this vision, he's basically like, uh, do not fail me in this mission kind of thing. So... (laughs) In this, basically, she finds out there's something still left to do at this point. Mm-hmm. So, basically, that's what she knows for now. And now she's really worried that this is not a good sign. So, they have to find the rest of them at this point. So, that's why I think now they go on a... Um, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a recruiting spree. I would call it something of a uh, bringing your family back together kind of routine. <laughs> However, it's a little bit of both. I mean, they are trying to. Yeah. yeah, I think they are trying to recruit the other Eternals because they've been apart for centuries at this point. So it is yeah. a little bit like they're trying to recruit them, but it's not quite yeah. as I guess it's it's not like they don't know who they're recruiting. Like these are people that, like you said, they're a family. They've been together for centuries, and mm-hmm. as dysfunctional as they all are, they're still like. Family. essentially a family because they've got this thing that connects them and this purpose and this goal and yep. they're also the only ones that can really deal with this deviant problem so um yeah they they go on this like mission to then kind of collect or like reunite the all the them. other eternals <laughs> right so um i think yeah i think after, king goes first yeah basically. king was the first one and he's like now <laughs> into bollywood productions bollywood which movies. i found yeah. very funny it is funny um, I don't know. There were, all the scenes between Kingo and his valet were just like I don't know. I yeah. thought they were comedy gold. I love them. No, no, they were fun. I agree with you. They were pretty fun, actually. Uh, it's Karun is basically like yeah. Basically, there's this one scene where Kingo's like he thought I was a vampire and he tried to stab me, and Karun is like I tr- I've apologized to you so many times for that. <laughs> And then this guy's like, not enough. I'll let you, you know. I'll let you know. You're close though. I'll let you know. So like, okay. But yeah, really basically relationship. And I think it was nice because like it added some levity to otherwise bleak situations. Crazy events. So yeah, yeah that too. So it was nice to kind of and have. And I think you made an interesting point uh, when we were talking about this earlier too. That these guys are just displaying they like just revealing who they are to people they know left right and center without exactly you know keeping it on a down low kind of thing you made an interesting point there because like if anyone knew that these are guys with superpowers who live almost forever in terms of human years it's like (laughs) insane what what would people not ask of you what would people not take advantage of in this situation so let's talk about that too a little bit yeah, I mean, it's 
I think the the movie kind of asks that question to a certain extent, but doesn't really provide a ton of answers because Kingo is a movie star, but he's been in movies for like decades, like I think pretty far back to to like, you know, early Bollywood days and um, like he's on posters and stuff and nobody ever really seems to question it. And also he finds this guy and he's just like, I'm adopting this person as my valet, but I'm going to tell him everything. And Karun Blessing does tell him every question. Yeah, basically. Either he's like, yeah, I totally believe this, and I mean, obviously, he's given proof later. But I just love that he just kind of rolled with it, and he was like, yeah, this is totally cool. Like, and and I think there's also a point in the movie where. Um, at one point, I think King was like, "Go home," or like, "You should be with your like with your family or whatever." And then Kyron's like, "What am I gonna do? Go home and watch TV?" Yeah, so, um, I mean, I makes that, sense. That was, like, interesting... I mean, it's funny. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's weird because, like you said earlier, the Eternals are told not to interfere with human affairs, and for the most part, they don't. But then, you know, you have instances like Kingo telling Karun his whole life story, and all about the Eternals, and then. Um, Cersei hasn't really told Dane much, but Sprite has, you know, told him things. Sprite just basically, hasn't... yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he didn't quite believe all of them, but once he sees the Deviant, then he's like, oh, shoot, like, this is probably real, and then he starts yeah. believing. But I think initially, Sprite probably said things, and Dane was like, oh, it's too fantastical to be true. And then he's given mm. proof, and he's like, okay, and everything oh, that they said is probably true. Yeah, um, exactly. But like you said, I mean, I think you also made an interesting point that if more people knew, there wouldn't really be anything that people wouldn't ask of them because they're essentially exactly. in mortals' eyes like gods. Like they don't really die unless mm-hmm. they're, you know, killed by uh, either a, uh, another eternal or a deviant or whatever, maybe like mortally wounded. But yeah. um, they have like, you know, all these fantastical abilities and like these superpowers and they can do crazy, amazing things. So, of course, if more people knew they would, you know, do whatever they could to ask things of the Eternals or um, maybe take advantage of them. I don't really know, but it it, it was just kind of interesting and, and a little bit funny that they were like, yeah, we're not going to interfere in human affairs except for the affairs of like very specific humans. I know. And, I mean, uh, you're really absolutely right. Too much, yeah. I guess, with Dane and Curran's lives, but um, mm. it, it's just, I don't know, I just found it really funny that they're like, we can't we can't do certain things, but then certain characters... You can tell like, everybody okay, who we are. You, Hi! Like... Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really strange. So basically, now they're on a mission to uh, find everyone else. Now they have to find Gilgamesh and Thina, because last they heard, Gilgamesh and Thina were basically sticking together kind of deal. But let's talk about that because this is a really important uh, turning point for the Eternals, uh, basically, because you mentioned the, um, this is in Central America, I think, right? Uh, When this happens, it's somewhere in Mexico or Central America where the Spanish invasion of uh, native uh, lands happens and they're fighting and it's not, Pretty. And then Ajax is basically asking Druig or any of the Eternals not to interfere with this because this is something that's bound to happen and doesn't have anything to do with the Deviants, basically. <laughs> but then what happens at this point is Thina, unfortunately, is uh, losing her mind in a sort way. Of. She has like these episodes where she's yeah. like not fully 
in not control. Herself, not someone in control. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. She's like not herself. And she, instead of attacking deviants or whatever they've decided is a problem, um, she actually and ends she up attacking things like the it's pointless, yeah. we're all going to die anyway, kind of thing. Yeah, all those yeah. things. So she life. starts like spouting all these things that it's pretty concerning yeah. because you know, Athena herself is a pretty powerful eternal yeah. and they like she she doesn't stop basically they can't really snap her out of these spells very easily and so the only way to do that is to kind of like knock her out for a bit and then she kind of comes to and she's normal again so um it's a little bit worrying because you know she's she's pretty powerful and for them to go up against her like the only way to get her to stop if maybe she goes far enough is to like kill her so um ajak you know after kind of like i guess Seeing examining this. or like yeah 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 she uh says that thena has a condition called mad weary mm-hmm. which is basically where her mind is like fracturing under fracturing. the weight of like everything she's seen or, or done or whatever yeah. that's the explanation that's given at that time and it actually yeah. ends up being very significant later on yes but, oh my god um, so at this point yeah. we don't yeah. really know too much more beyond what ajak has said that it's just she's seen so much and her mind is i guess like struggling to process it so it's essentially fracturing and and somehow that's causing her to kind of go a little bit berserk every now and then and attack yeah the other Eternals. Mm-hmm. And so her solution to remedy all of this is to wipe Thea's memory. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, it doesn't really matter whether or not she's she remembers anything because what makes her Thea will still live inside of her and her spirit will remain unchanged and all of that. But Thea, of course, Thena's, is understandably upset. Yeah, she's upset about it. She's like, I want to remember all this. I can't. Uh, this was what makes me who I am. I can't just forget. Mm-hmm. And Gilgamesh, she and Gilgamesh have this camaraderie kind of thing, which is really sweet mm-hmm. to see. It it's is, a, it's yeah. a really sweet thing to see. And he's like, I'll take the risk of taking care of her. I know what to do to help her out if something like this happens. She's fine. I'll, de- I'll deal with this. But then there's also Druig, and this is important to uh emphasize because something it, this is where like you said they go their separate ways it's not easy druig is basically struggling under the weight of not controlling these people's minds to stop them from killing each other and then she's like you want us to trust you when people are doing stuff like this to each other and we could have actually stopped this from happening mm-hmm. and you want us to trust you to wipe Tina's mind it's like it's a it's a really it's a really interesting not I wouldn't say interesting but it's a valid question because like <laughs> dude how uh, how much I mean she uh, we the other Eternals don't know much about Arishem's design all they know is that this is what they've been sent to Earth for they've killed right. the last deviant and all the all all that is done but they're like don't interfere in human affairs even though you have the power to stop them from literally hurting each other. And doing terrible right. things to each other. It's not easy. And especially when you live forever and you watch these people slaughter each other for nothing. And <laughs> it's not easy. And this is when and Druig is like, if you want, I'm going to I'm going to try and stop this. If you want to stop me, you'll have to kill me. And Ajak, that's when she makes that snap decision of like, fine, I'm disbanding you. I'm not going to stop you. You guys do what you want. And when we meet back up, tell me what you've experienced. And I think you right. made a really good point when we talked about this the last time, that 
Arisham is not giving any one of these Eternals a choice. He, he's basically, as a, as a celestial, he's just like, yeah, you guys are made for me. I made you. So you basically have to do what I ask you to do. But Ajak is more willing to understand what's going on. And that's why she's like giving them, uh, it's not like she has the right to give them their freedom or something, but at least it's something that she understands. It's like, Sorry. she's not forcing them too, to follow her as such, but yeah. Yeah, it's also telling that, like, she's not so, like, blinded by this goal or this design that Hersham has set that she's, like, you know, prioritize the we mission over all else. This. And, like, right, because yeah. if she really cared yeah. that much, I feel like then she would have probably killed Droid or prevented him or yeah. any of them from doing anything that went against... Uh, whatever their their plan was but she like you said she's the one who says like at a certain point after Drew leaves like well we completed our mission there's no reason for you guys to stay with me like you're not required to go out and experience things and like learn things and explore and then when we meet again we'll like trade stories which is I think a really um interesting thing because like you said it's not like she has a right to give him freedom because everybody should be free regardless but um, in, in a way, she's kind of giving them and like the opportunity to go and explore and learn new do things, they which they didn't really do. have. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And like find their yeah. own purpose, too, which, you know, up until this point, you know, they thought killing deviants was their purpose. Now all these deviants have been, mm-hmm. uh, they think anyway, have been eradicated. Taken care of, so yeah. now they have nothing to do until they're recalled. And so, you know, for all the centuries between the 1500s to present day, when they're just waiting to be recalled, that's a ton of time. Like there's so much they could yeah. have learned and um, so much that they would have seen and probably would have had, you know, amazing stories to, to trade and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was really nice that she wasn't like, okay, well, now we did everything. So now we just have to like go lock ourselves in our spaceship or, you know, hide underground for like centuries um, and and just wait to be recalled. She was like, no, 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 go out, learn yeah. things, explore, find a new purpose and mm-hmm. kind of become more of like an individual, I guess, because for so long, all that you kind of united them and all they were really working towards was getting rid of deviants. And now she was like, go do something that makes you happy. I agree. So I thought that was nice. It was nice. So now this is where we're at. They're trying to find Gilgamesh and Tina, who they do find in, I don't know exactly where, I forget, but there's some in some desert area, if I'm not wrong. (laughs) And we see Tina making some kind of apocalyptic drawings and we don't know what they mean just yet. And it's it's really sad to see that this is what's become of her. She's such a strong warrior, and props to Angelina Jolie for how she portrayed this character and all of the, this entire cast. They've done a fantastic job, really. They were <laughs> amazing. I mean, I think we talked about this too yeah. off recording at length, but Marvel is usually very good at casting the right actors for the yeah. you know specific roles. And um, again, it's like I personally don't know a ton about the Eternals as characters if I wasn't too familiar with them in the comic book universe or anything like that so for me when I saw the movie it was like these actors just did such a phenomenal job of like embodying the characters it's like you can't imagine anybody other than like Angelina Jolie to play Fina or anyone other than like Don Lee to play Gilgamesh it's like these guys are the characters and like that's it like nobody else can really take on that role just yet so yeah no absolutely absolutely they did really well actually 
So it's basically again. So for for a strong warrior like Tina to be reduced to this because of what her mind is experiencing, it's kind of like sad to see. But she's still doing okay for herself, and she's like dealing with it the best she knows how. Kind of deal for now, <laughs> at this point. And basically, this is when uh, they tell. This is when they tell her about tell everybody the rest of the group about Ajax and what's happening, and that there are some deviants that are suddenly coming back, which is a problem. Um, and there's a little moment of levity here too, with the first mention of the Avengers uh, coming up here, because Sprite basically casually mentions, "Hey, now that Iron Man and Captain America are gone, who do you think is going to lead the Avengers?" And then Icarus is basically like, I could leave them. Let's talk about that a little bit because he, yeah, I had thoughts on that. Like a team, we have thoughts on that specifically in the context of what happens during the whole movie, and also not as well. So, but let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we discussed this movie after we saw it for the first time, I said yeah. that it was very funny because Icarus is yeah. not really a team player and the Avengers no. are a team. Um, yeah. I mean, Icarus... like And their motives skills, are very different. <laughs> motives are very different. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but I, I just it was, to me, kind of bizarre because Icarus, I mean, he's strong and he's powerful and capable, mm-hmm. sure. But like, anytime there's like a team moment I don't know I think it's just um he, he comes across as kind of like I'm the I don't coolest. Want to say arrogant Bye. but yeah yeah kind of like that where he's just like like he just he he talks in a way where it's like he's so confident in his abilities and like he should have been the leader and I think there is a part of him too that like genuinely thought that if Ajax would had be, died yeah. he would be chosen as the next leader but he's not it's Cersei and um another thing that I don't really know if I'm reading too much into this but to me, it also seemed like at various points throughout the movie, like um, they when they would make decisions, even though Cersei was the leader, everybody would kind of turn to to Icarus and be like, well, what do you yeah. think we should do? And he would be like, well, I think we should do like X, Y, and Z. But Cersei is really the leader and I'll go with whatever she says. And it just came across as like a little bit yeah. condescending kind of. It is. And, and dude, this is supposed to be, be the but, woman you love. Um, are, shouldn't you be yeah, like proud too. of her shouldn't you be like yeah dude, I mean, like, in, in his own way I think he yeah in his own way I think he was and he was also like genuinely trying to be supportive but like at certain times it just came across as like yeah kind, kind of condescending maybe patronizing yeah. I don't know it just it's weird the idea of him like leading the Avengers when it's like dude you don't really have what it takes to be a team player and also the Avengers have like first of all the engines are human so you'd have to interfere in human affairs because that is literally yeah. like part of the job like their they job. interfere that's in- their thing yeah that's, exactly yeah. because you human affairs to, like, affect them and yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. um also like they are such a large group of people like you know, being the lead of these band of Eternals is one thing, but the Avengers are much, they're a much larger group, and exactly. uh, not all of them do well with authority. Oh. Um, so I, like, oh, I, I, I'm having... Imagine Steve having to listen to this dude. He'd punch this dude in the face. I'd really have to say yeah i feel like it wouldn't it and wouldn't even, go well even fa- even 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 sam sam would basically punch like he, this dude yeah. in the face Thinking, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of them would and it's not so much that like they they can't listen to oh, authority or like they have, 
Carol would look yeah. at this dude and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I think it's, it's mostly just like the way Icarus comes across it. And this is probably more credit to Richard Madden and his um, portrayal yeah. of Icarus. But um, he, he comes across as like very, uh, like, in certain ways, almost like a suck up, you know? Like, he kind of like, mm. it, it seemed like he was like going along with whatever Cersei said because he wanted to like be in her good graces or whatever. But then, you know, people were still looking yeah. to him for decisions and stuff. And I think one of the frustrating things was like, Cersei is still kind of discovering her powers and kind of who she is and what she can do, that sort of thing. And um, at certain points too, like she herself is like, I'm not really sure what to do. Like, I haven't really been prepared for this. Icarus, what do you think we should do? And it's like, no, Cersei, you can it's do really it. Frustrating like, believe to see it yourself. That. Yeah, it's really frustrating to see that. But yeah, let's talk about, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we, uh, uh, when we discuss what actually happens, which is right now, actually, which is when we find out uh, what the, what Arishem's actual design is, because she's basically doubting, because Cersei's basically doubting herself, saying that, hey, I have this connection to Arishem, but I've never been able to speak to him at will, like Ajax used to. She used Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate with this dude at will and find out what was going on, but I haven't been able to do that. And she finally sits down and finally figures out how to use this connection, and what she finds out is mind-blowing. So let's talk about that. It's yes. it turns everything on its head so let's talk about it right so um initially the eternals kind of saw themselves as like the sort of like protectors of earth and they thought their whole mission was basically just find deviants kill them rid the earth of these like monsters essentially protect yeah, the population exactly. and then they would be recalled and all would be well unfortunately Cersei finds out that it's a much darker uh they have a much darker purpose and oh, yeah. um the the deviants are just like a tiny part of that so we learn that there's this event called the emergence and um as like this supreme celestial Arishem has planted celestials in other planets um, yep. throughout the universe and celestials are you know huge I guess cosmic beings and so they require a lot of resources and a lot of um you know sustenance to kind of keep them going um and so there is a celestial in earth that will emerge and the deviants were kind of meant to they were introduced to earth to rid earth of natural predators so that humanity could grow and flourish and thrive but and then they went haywire he, yeah 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 so the deviants go haywire but they were also created so that humans could reach a certain you know optimal population and once that number had been hit then the um um uh the deviants would I guess be recalled and and the celestial that had been planted in earth would pop up and emerge hence the name of virgins so um that yeah. by itself is yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. A huge, and the emergence you know, would thing. basically kill all life on earth yeah exactly yeah it would probably like this should just destroy the planet so like that in itself was like a mind-blowing thing but then we also learn uh through Cersei's connection with Arishem that as Eternals they are not proper beings in Human, the sense they're, they're, they're not proper beings they're synthetic beings that Arishem yeah. just created and also and over time he's also yeah. reset their memories at multiple yes. points throughout time so they don't even know how many times this has happened but it's happened enough and so this 
goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Dina's condition, mad we yes. like, even though when when Ajax explained it at that point, it was just like she's seen so much that her mind can't process it. But it's really that she has seen so much and her mind has been reset so many times, but things have bled through they're bleeding from those together. mind wipes, essentially. Yeah. Right. And they're all bleeding together. So she's seen multiple emergences, which essentially are like those apocalyptic are the apocalyptic events. drawings that you see her those are not exactly just premonitions those are things that actually happen which is what's so right. crazy right like, so it's just, it ends up being like a much darker thing that they're yeah. really there for and I think um the really cool thing is that immediately once they hear this Cersei's like well we can't have that <laughs> Where, yeah, I mean, um, I love her like, commitment to this. She's like, we can't sacrifice all human life uh, on this planet just for one celestial. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that uh, um, when this whole, we'll talk more about this because it's an interesting exchange here. Uh, and we talked about this off according to, but we'll talk about it a little bit more. But not everyone's on board with this plan, basically. Right, <laughs> but they, uh, but Cersei's like, no, we can't do this. We have to find Druig. We have to let. We have to. I think Druig has a way of maybe putting this celestial to sleep. So maybe we can do something about that. So they go to find him in the Amazon rainforest. Basically, that's where mm-hmm. they go to find him, and they do find him, and he's totally not into helping them at all because. I think going off of where they were at when they last met, he's just not, he's not about it. He wants to do his own thing. And then finally realizing that this was the plan, this was Irishem's plan all along, might have disillusioned him even more, basically. So let's talk about right. that too. Yeah, I think it's interesting because he seems to be, other than, like, so in the opening scenes of the film, when um, we kind of get introduced to the Eternals and we see them over time, it's mm-hmm. pretty evident that Cersei has a connection to humans and she's clearly yes. understanding of them and, and she's very considerate about what happens to them and all of that. And over time, it only kind of grows. And it, it's yeah. interesting that Druig is very similar. Um, I think he's more yeah. vocal about kind of opposing Ajax and uh, yes. going against Erishim. Cersei's not quite as vocal about it, even though she does yeah. really care for humans. But um, yeah. Druig is very vocal. And I mean, he's part of the reason Aja kind of disbands the Eternals after... You know the yes, yes, the yes, yes. Spanish invasion of the Central America and all of that, and so mm-hmm. um, it, it's nice to kind of see that he's okay uh, doing yeah. his own thing. He's been doing it for so long, and he's like really committed yep. to it. But mm-hmm. um, it was also, I think, a little bit frustrating because he was like, "No, I don't want to do this." But it's like, dude, I don't think you understand. Like, if this thing emerges, that's all the people you care about dead, gone. <laughs> like, it's yeah, not, like yeah. yeah. It's not a question. Yeah, and not only that, too, I wonder, like, would the emergence, I'm assuming it would have affected Eternals, too, because they can die. It's just we don't really know too much about how they die. Um, But I'm sure it could have potentially posed problems for them, too. So, yeah, this is an interesting thing. Did the Eternals just leave uh, before, just before the emergence started to let the emergence happen so that it didn't hurt them? Like, 
maybe i don't, I don't know. know but also now that we know that like i mean this movie like in in the movie erishem does say that they're synthetic beings so it's yeah. not like they have you know human anatomy so could they really die could they just be like reformed or reprogrammed or whatever Maybe. because like, that's one of the things that i think it was a little bit confusing because aja was yeah. very much dead and she didn't come back at any point in the movie after she had died but it's like if they're synthetic beings couldn't they essentially just be repaired <laughs> Or like you know, remade. But that's the, and, yeah, and... that's maybe that's an interesting point that you made, really. And unfortunately, the the deviant that attacked them in London also finds them here, basically, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, Gilgamesh dies. It strips him of his essence and gains super strength. It's so sad. It's really bad. And this yeah. basically hammers the point home for Droig, like, dude, we have to do this. We can't <laughs> look at what's happening. We can't just let this happen. And then Cer- and then you see Cersei, I don't think she's ever tried this before, but she turned one of the deviants into a tree. So I don't think yes. she's ever expanded on her powers as much, but now she's like, oh my God, how'd I do this kind of thing? Which goes back to your point of girl, believe in yourself. You're more you're more capable than you think, kind of deal, you know? Yeah. To be fair though, I don't know that she ever tried her powers on a living being. Uh, you know, turning inanimate objects into other inanimate objects is one thing, but to turn like a living, breathing thing, even if that thing is trying to attack you and kill you, um, yeah. is it, probably a little bit uh strange and and weird to to experience yeah Yeah, but um, i I did want to ask because i think we we mentioned this before at the beginning Mm -hmm. of this kind of discussion but um the whole plot thread with the deviants was Mm -hmm. i think people had mixed reactions to it and i think oh yeah um at the beginning it it makes sense and i think there's a place for it in the beginning but i think at least at, at this particular point the introduction or the reintroduction of the deviants um is cited by a lot of people as kind of like a thing ju- that just adds bloat or like fillery material to the plot so a how do you feel about bit. that because yeah, I, um I, I, I like I was two minds I feel like on the one hand yes having the deviance in the beginning made sense but then I also like I kind of agree with people who are like at this point it didn't really do anything because the characters already have like a new purpose like they have something to work towards adding the deviance just kind of seems like pointless when they were almost in ways like they they were on the same side no I agree but I think I think like you said this movie is more of a setup for what's to come for these characters than anything else so this (laughs) conflict with the deviants while redundant after what they find out could mean something later like they could but they could actually go talk to some of these deviants and be like guys we're uh, we but aren't we they all dead the solution not everywhere like maybe on earth but oh, true. not everywhere else so maybe but are all of them sentient the because eternal. i think the the yeah, one that's true. so like there's there's the one I called think, i think his name is crow i think in this movie. yeah i think and he's that like guy the one that develops, he basically like, absorbed all of the uh, all the uh, all the dead eternals powers basically like ajax healing power and mm-hmm. all those things he became sentient over time so i kind of agree with you that after a point the deviant point became kind of superfluous for this movie but i do kind of think that in the context of how many other eternals might be out there still not knowing what irishem's plan is it's like 
that's something that they can look into for future movies. Like they might oh, go to the sure, other yeah. internals and be like, hey, these deviants are not something that we need to fight. Uh, and then there, there is also a point where the other Eternals might be like, so what? This is what Irishman wants. I don't care. Or <laughs> they might actually be on these Eternal side and be like, holy shit, this is wrong. I can't just do this just because I can't sacrifice all these, uh, the, this entire planet just for one celestial. Which brings us to an interesting exchange kind of deal. And you made a very good point because, of course, the emergence of a celestial brings about new galaxies, constellations, more planets, more life. But then if that celestial plants more seeds of other celestials than some of those plants, just for them to die, where's the exchange? Let's talk about yeah, that Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a cyclical thing, right? Like it's a constant yeah. cycle of like eternals or not eternal celestials being planted, destroying their host planet essentially, and then yeah, creating exactly. more planets or galaxies or whatever and it's like you know a never-ending cycle but it is i mean you're every time a celestial emerges you're talking about you know destroying millions or billions of life forms on inhabited planets or um i mean you know even otherwise it's like on earth itself you know there's seven eight billion people almost yeah Um, and to allow this emergence to continue would destroy all life on earth essentially mm-hmm. just so that one celestial can emerge and mm-hmm. um we don't know a ton about celestials i mean there's not uh too much that's known not about yet them, yeah exactly but, you exactly. know we have we have ego as a reference and we have erishem as a reference and i hate to say it it's probably definitely too early to say it but it's like so far the track record for uh how yeah. likable everyone else hundred celestial zero bye yeah. It's like yeah, they're, they're, when it comes we to likability, the they're not scoring very high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're absolutely so, right. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's like more. I guess uh, it, it's easier, I think, to side with the like this particular band of Eternals than to understand. Yeah. Like, I get that a celestial is also a life form, and you know, you can ask, like the you can flip the argument and be like, well, it's a right to prevent another being from emerging or living or existing for the sake of you know a planet essentially. But I, I don't know. I still feel like you know it's one life form versus seven billion. And if this Arishan is not really the typical is, trolley problem, is it? Though, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, like not. it's hard to like find you know an equivalent way or like a um equivalent problem but i just feel like if if celestials are really that powerful why can't they just make planets that have resources for celestials without destroying other That's planets and life forms point. i don't know if they I, can do that yeah, but i mean i know they seem very powerful and if they can create all of this then like they've, they've got to have the ability to just create like a planet with like or like make a planet of like useless things i don't know like mosquitoes or something it's <laughs> the mosquitoes would argue that they're useful for other things but that's another story i I don't know are they (laughs) i mean i I don't know like just i know it's like no i know what you're trying to say no i get it but it's like it's a difficult question and and an interesting question that this movie kind of poses although i don't think it goes that deep but they do ask the question basically (laughs) whether it's okay for us to sacrifice one celestial, whether it's okay for us to sacrifice the life of a celestial for this one planet. But 
let's also talk about how Druig is like, dude, we can't, uh, I, I don't have the power to tame a celestial. We need Festos. We need the rest of the Eternals to do this. And Festos has been living his life, which is really sweet. He's married. He has a husband. He has, he has a family now, which is really sweet. Because considering uh, the representation that's been in Marvel movies earlier, it was always, it was not, I wouldn't say it was always there, but they tried. But this is the like most mainstream way they could put it in the movie, basically. So let's talk about that, too. Yeah, it was really like sweet to see, because like you said, I mean, the representation, it's been here and there, um, yeah. not very prominent, unfortunately, but this movie mm-hmm. kind of, even though it was, you know, a side character and it was a very short scene or like yeah. a very short, you know, period of the film, it was like there and you couldn't really frame it any other way. Like Festus is married, he has a husband, he has a kid, um, you know it is what it is and there's no like it doesn't need to be a big deal I think it's only a big deal because audience members make it a big deal in a sense you are absolutely right like oh yeah it shouldn't happen some people are like it doesn't matter if it happens whatever it's just it exists it's a thing it doesn't really that's um yeah the story much but it just it it, I think had some personal stakes for some of these guys too because they're you know, they've been among humans for centuries now. Um, yeah. And yeah. now they're finding out that this thing is going to emerge and wipe out the planet. And like some of them, like, you know, Sprite, Icarus, um, you know, like they don't have real connections to humans just yet. Others like, I mean, Fausto's his husband is human um, and he's going to have to watch him die at some point. <laughs> he just doesn't want it to be now. Uh, Kingo's yeah. valet is human. He doesn't want to watch the guy die. And I mean, um, Cersei's boyfriend is human. So, you know, all the, like some of these guys have personal stakes in, in the yeah, game and, now and they don't want to lose yeah. the people that they care about, um, even though they will at some point. Like the Eternals are going to outlive the humans and I think they've come to terms with that. But it's like, this is kind of making like it's it's kind of um making them I think consider the possibility of losing mm-hmm. loved ones sooner and especially for characters like Fastos like I mean he doesn't want to lose his husband or son and I think and I think despite that he's still yeah. hesitant to like go back and have anything to, to do with the Eternals but um I think his husband just like makes like a really like um, a good point, sweet comment where he's like yeah. yeah a good point too where he's like you know the world is kind of crazy, but if we can delay anything so that our son can live to see the future, it's a chance we're taking. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I did like that it was kind of framed as like Fastus goes back, not so much for his fellow Eternals, but more for his, his family, family and like what they can, yeah. like what he can do for them and how he can kind Which of like again, very safeguard sweet. their future. Especially <laughs> after what he felt uh, when he felt responsible for a lot of crazy things that human beings have done in the past, especially in terms of war. But yeah, right. it's really sweet that he's like, okay, yeah, I think this is, I think this is fine. Uh, so this is when they go to find their ship, the Domo, basically, which is somewhere <laughs> in the desert in Iraq or something. From what I from what I, I think saw that's, it's somewhere movie. in like a deserty type area and also I think hidden yeah. but they're able to kind of like yeah. unmask and we it find or like Makari is hiding out in that ship and she's like chilling reading books doing her thing and she's ready to go home but then unfortunately she finds out that this is what's happening oops 
So let's talk about that because this is where everything changes for all of them. So let's talk about that. All right. So I think um, at this point, uh, Fastos uh, decides to, um, or he doesn't decide, but he comes up with like this concept of like this unimind, which is like a it's a like a hive mind yeah. type thing where all the Eternals are like joined together, and um, they like essentially like their powers are amplified or something like that. And, um, and as, that's as when part Drew of that process, can actually like, put the Eternals to uh, put the the, the uh, celestial, celestial team, like, who's like the yeah yeah he's the yeah. T- the uh, celestial bird in Earth, and so their plan is just to kind of put him to sleep and make sure that he doesn't wake up and destroy Earth. Yeah. Unfortunately, the caveat is that they need all Everyone. of the Eternals um, on board with this, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it it doesn't go quite according to plan because we get nope. a reveal of sorts. So it yep. turns out that despite all his talk, Icarus is kind of a jerk. Uh, he, kind is of, a he is jerk. a jerk. And um he is so like blinded by this kind of like goal that they have and this loyalty to Arisham that he just he's not willing to question and he doesn't question. He's like, this is what our goal is. We are not deviating from it. And anybody who does is insane and I will stop them. And so he, he literally kind of, kills Ajax basically and he makes yeah. it look like a deviant attack. This is like Yeah, so we find out that like over time Ajax had kind of been adopting this like more disillusioned outlook i think with what erisham had planned and she was kind of leaning more towards yeah. um what cersei ultimately ends up doing which is like yeah. just throwing out the humans and being like you know what i don't really care like these people are worth saving and like um mm-hmm. unfortunately for icarus that's not what he wanted to hear and not what he wanted to do so um he he goes to extremes and he does kill ajak he frames it as like an um, not an eternal a deviant did it and then he yep. kind of leads the other eternals on this like weird kind of goose chase where it's like like trying to stall them like, or something yeah yeah, exactly. yeah i think he like tries to stall them essentially for as long as he can and then once it's apparent that like seriously is not going to back down and nobody else is really challenging her he kind of yep. steps forward and i think he's kind of, he was kind of hoping that like if he just talked loud enough maybe the others would back down but again i mean they have personal stakes in this and exactly um, seriously and fastest especially i mean they've got like their significant others are human and so they're not going to let them be wiped out regardless of whatever is going on between Cersei and Icarus or whatever happened. I think that's gone um, and done, man. Like, you left her for centuries. You think she's going to hold on to you for that long? You need to chill. Check yourself, basically. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's Icarus kind of just causes a scene. He decides he's going to oppose all these, you know, other Eternals who are essentially his family and friends. And uh, surprisingly, Sprite does too. So we find out that Sprite has always had unrequited feelings for him. And obviously Icarus is kind of blind and doesn't really notice or maybe chooses to ignore her. I don't really know. But um, they kind of decide that like they're going to stand against everybody else. So it's kind of like, 
what like six versus two because Gilgamesh is dead and Ajax is dead and yeah. so it's it's just yeah it's it's um it's not even six actually because Kingo decides at one point like Kingo yeah just Kingo walks away. he's like, like I'm not he gonna can't... fight he I'm can't fight Icarus or his this. friends yeah. and he doesn't want to really go against Ereshen's wish or design either so Kingo just leaves and he doesn't want so to hurt his friends either so he's like I'm staying out of this kind of yeah thing. He, he refuses to pick sides and so it's yeah. it's Sprite and Icarus versus Athena Druig uh, Makari Fastos and uh, Cersei and yeah. so um, it ends up being like a really strange kind of split of the Eternals. And it I think is. for me, at least anyways, I was just kind of disappointed in Sprite. I was like, really, Sprite? Like, you're going to turn against all your friends just because this random yeah. jerk is like... I mean, yeah. I understand it. Like, it's, you know, un- having unrequited feelings is, I'm sure, really tough. Again, there's a um, reason why they're unrequited, but... you idiot. He's not. He's never going to look at you. Yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like uh, all these centuries. Do you really think he's gonna treat you any differently? I mean, I, I don't know. It maybe maybe there's a part of her that was like maybe he'll change, but um, it was just kind of disappointing to see her kind of. It was sad. I feel bad for the kid, but yeah, I know. Yeah, but visually, but, um, the scenes that follow are really cool, actually. Oh, because uh, I, yeah, think... I think they were some of the best. I don't know. Exactly, right? <laughs> because because all of them trying to stop Icarus while Cersei tries to basically put Tiamat to sleep or something. That's pretty cool. And then Festo's finally being angry and be like, you know what? I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I'm going to clip your wings kind of thing. But like, okay, interesting dialogue choice, but I understand where the guy is coming from. He's frustrated. He finds out that this idiot uh, is basically you know what not does this idiot doesn't care what happens to humanity which includes his newfound family which is why i would call the eternals a very dysfunctional family of sorts but like okay um so yeah but everything aside crazily enough they do they do uh, festos does have the uh, does uh, find the device to make them a hive mind or unimind or whatever and Cersei <laughs> does manage to put Tiamut to sleep or I don't know what she does I think but she, she actually changes it looks him. like she ices him or something yeah she like turns him into yeah. like marble or something or some substances essentially like puts him to sleep but something I'm sure else. so like he yeah, can't wake up for a while he can't wake up for a very long time basically yeah and Again, it's really it's really cool because visually, again, amazing stuff to see, especially if you're watching it on the big screen. It's amazing to see. But then, like, Icarus finds the, does this weird thing where he's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I don't care, man. You you just. Yeah, it, it's kind of like almost like too little too late. Like, he's actively tried to kill his friends. And then he he's not he doesn't succeed in killing them but he is you know slightly i think overpowered compared to them so he manages to kind of gain the upper hand a little bit and um it's i I don't know he he goes after cersei at one point and then he tries to kill her but then because of their connection he can't and uh, you know once this whole thing with the celestial tiamat is resolved he's like oh i'm so like i feel so guilty i feel so bad and he flies into the sun essentially like suicide i don't know it's a very strange thing because it's like the thing i never understood is like you must have planned this like to kill ajax is one thing but then to plant evidence and make it look a certain way i don't know 
It just it, it seemed like he I thought know. too much about and it, and, also, and he exactly. worked too hard to make certain things fall in place. And like killing Ajax is one thing, but then why do you need to reunite with the rest of the Celestials? Like after Ajax had died, nobody knew the truth other than him. So he could have just, he could have just been like, let it be. They'll all have to go their own separate ways at some point. Nobody has to get that spark or find out what's happening, basically. <laughs> But yeah, true. And then there's Sprite, who I kind of understand. Basically, she's stuck at that age forever, and that's never easy. So Cersei's like, I still have power from the Unimind. I can make you human if that's what you really want. And I think that's an interesting thing, uh, because I think that's what Sprite really wanted and couldn't express up until now. Because basically being stuck as someone that age and not being able to know not and not have anyone notice her could be tough, basically. Right. So I think that's something that uh, as an interesting resolution to this. However, uh, so things are going back to normal, however normal that might be. But unfortunately... Uh, Arishem comes back and he's like, you sacrificed the celestial for these people. I'm going to take take you all and judge you and I'll read your memories to see if these people are actually worth saving. So who does he take? He takes Cersei and who else? Uh, Cersei, I think uh, Fastos and mm-hmm. Kingo stay on Earth. I think he only takes... Mm-hmm. Cersei up to like so she's like literally beamed out of earth but uh Makari, Druig, and Dina kind of go off on their own like they take the Domo their ship and they go off to kind of Mm -hmm. um find and communicate with other Eternals and then yeah um, exactly uh Sprite is no longer an Eternal I'm guessing or uh, I think Mm -hmm. she's converted to like a human um so it's just Kingo, Fastos, and Cersei who remain and Cersei's kind of like beamed up um yeah to, to Arishem and he like you said kind of says like is it really worth it what have you done I'm gonna like let's see if it, you made the right call in, in sparing all these yeah, people exactly. but sacrificing a celestial so um mm-hmm. he kind of lets lets them go but it's a little bit foreboding but the really interesting part is um I think the mid and post credit scenes because we absolutely get I think kind of turns well in one of the scenes we get information that kind of changes I think some of the stuff we knew but um is it the mid credit yep. scene that's the one with Dane um or is it the post I think it's I the mid credit which scene with but, Dane um, and yeah, the Dane post credit uh, scene is trying, with yeah we'll, we'll get to it in he's a second, trying but, to but, understand yeah uh I, I think Dane is trying to he's trying to tell Cersei that like he got a past and it, it's very uh what do you call it like mysterious and cryptic yeah um the way he, he's trying to explain this thing but then we see him with a blade later mm-hmm. um and uh, somebody kind of in a voiceover going like are you ready i think type yep. thing so yeah um we're definitely going to see more of him but see then him again the yeah. end credit scene that's kind of like a little bit mind-blowing because thanos has a brother and i'm just like what is really? thanos because i think so eros who's thanos brother is an eternal half brother or something yeah yeah but is any part of thanos an eternal because now i'm like could they no just have, like, that, could... that's what's so weird exactly we don't know that yet we don't know what eros's well, plan is even if they're he... if they're half brothers like there's some part of thanos like what what was the half that that i know he got it's weird like, was there father? i don't know 
the eternal only celestial or like what i don't even know but yeah i don't um, know you're absolutely right there's no way to tell it just raises questions like how does this work what happened uh who knows but yeah eros is um has made his mcu debut and um i think he he kind of bargains with dina makari and druid and he decides like he's going to help them but there's probably a catch in there so it'll be really interesting to see where that goes but yeah I think like we said earlier this movie does a lot to kind of set up things for future uh installments of the specific um you know group of characters but also I think the MCU at large so it'll be really interesting to see where phase four and future phases I go agree. because the yeah, Infinity yeah, yeah, yeah. has ended and now we're getting all sorts of like cool stories and cool stuff about the and, multiverse um, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so and like there's so many crazy things that have already happened I mean um essentially like Peter Parker is no longer an Avenger <laughs> or like uh, he's not an Avenger nobody remembers that he's an Avenger um Doctor Strange is now gonna me. have to repair the universe so we're gonna oh, yeah. see how that goes um and, yes exactly uh, like there's the passing of the torch to so many new ca- like you know people like uh yelena is the new black widow and kate bishop is becoming kate a new hawkeye the, and uh, we're getting yeah. new characters like echo and we're getting, uh, moon knight we're is getting coming echo out and iron heart iron heart is Ms. coming Marvel. up mm-hmm. and then there's exactly. also like secret invasions like there's so many mm-hmm. things in the works for the mcu so it'll be really really yeah. interesting to see where they go and i think what's particularly interesting about phase four too is like now that disney plus is a thing and yeah. streaming is a thing and tv series are a thing um it's no longer just the cinematic universe it's like cinema and tv and like it'll be really interesting to see how like both yeah. kind of tied into each other and how they're kind of um come together and following cool the same arc. chain of events yeah, i actually yeah, agree so. but i think you made a very interesting point would this movie have been better as a tv show than a movie and i would say yes it would have been better yeah. as a tv show what do you think i totally agree i think the the biggest thing i think that kind of impacted this movie was that they had a time constraint and I mean everything has a time constraint because nothing can run indefinitely unless you know you're the Simpsons maybe no offense but um or SpongeBob or maybe SpongeBob although I think the Simpsons is probably like I think they have a contract for like 50 seasons or something I don't know it's it's some like ridiculous number yeah Yeah, they have like a ridiculous number of episodes I don't even Mm -hmm. know I don't really follow or keep track but there's way more than I think there needs to be um but everything does need to end but it's like I think this is like it was just so there's so much going on and um I think it it does suffer a little bit because there's certain characters you just never really care for um and you know Icarus being one of them part of that is again down to what actually happens with him as a character but um even otherwise like I mean I liked characters like Kingo and Druid but I just felt like yeah they had so I wish I'd known more time. about them even Makari yeah. and Thina mm-hmm. oh my god I would have loved to know more about them I know they, and that's what kind of the sad to. thing like I was really looking forward to like seeing like when they introduced us to the characters before the movie came out I was like this is great like we're gonna get these cool female characters and like not to say that they weren't cool it's just they have such limited screen time because there's so many different threads that this you know movie has to juggle I feel like giving it a longer runtime in the form of a series probably would have helped um even if it was just like a a six episode series like Hawkeye or whatever that's still essentially that would have still been like what six hours if they could have made one hour (laughs) episodes if they wanted to like that would have been pretty cool 
yeah because you're going to accomplish yeah, a so lot in six I, hours. I definitely think yeah I definitely think that having it as a tv series would have been better but you know given all the constraints and everything that this movie was attempting to accomplish I still think they did a, a good job of like making it at least enjoyable to watch because mm-hmm. I feel like it could have been it could have been worse I mean you can say that about any True, movie but WandaVision worse, is the but... perfect example WandaVision yeah. is the perfect example of this because of course we've seen Wanda in earlier movies right we've seen her in Age of Ultron we've seen her in Civil War we've seen her in all the other Avengers movies to follow but WandaVision expanded on her character so much that you basically got an insight on who she was what she could do in a much deeper way because it was a tv series that expanded on her character that much more so i think this would have benefited this set of characters would have benefited more from that too just saying but yeah yeah no i think you're right but i mean again you know this everybody's different i think for us this movie Mm -hmm. um we enjoyed it i don't know if we'd necessarily like pick this movie as one of her go-to MCU movies Not but really. it wasn't I think at least for us or maybe I don't even want to speak for you for me it wasn't a terrible watch I just think no no it was it very wasn't ambitious bad. and it was a, um, yeah unfortunately I think that kind of hindered it a little bit that it was trying to accomplish yeah. so much yeah. but um I, I don't think it was bad and I think it's worth no. at least like a one-time watch if for no other reason than to kind of see these characters in action and kind of see what we're talking about because I don't think it's a very difficult movie to discuss there's so many time skips and there's a lot of you know uh, things that kind of go back and forth from past to present and vice versa and so yeah. I think it's like one of those things you just have to experience <laughs> I um, definitely so, agree so yeah it's 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 a decent movie I'll say that much <laughs> not my favorite is, MCU movie but by no means I think the worst uh, no by so, no means the so, yeah. worst is there a worst hmm. eh. hard mean, to tell plot wise yeah I mean you can argue but I know Thor 2 is not very um it's not a it's fan okay. favorite but, uh, I didn't I mean I didn't love it didn't hate it it was just kind of yeah. like eh it's fine it was fine it was fine yeah anyway guys if you if you sustained or if you stayed with us through this we appreciate it thank you yeah um, i feel like this one was a rough one <laughs> but yes is. thank you we really uh, do appreciate it was a it. rough one to discuss so um we i think we might be going back to the percy jackson series next mm-hmm. week considering yes. that we left that off at uh, the Titan's Curse, which is a pivotal turning point for Percy and his gang in the series. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. We are coming back with the Percy Jackson and the Olympians podcast for the Battle of the Labyrinth next week. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. And once again, thank you for giving us the time of your day to listen to our podcast. Really appreciate it. Tell us what you think. We're on social media. Uh, We're on Instagram now. We have our Tumblr. So please reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Give us your opinions. We'd love to talk to you. So thank you, guys. Thank you. always our lovely theme song is water lily by the 126ers 
The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.